I'm Samaita Graver, and I want to welcome you to Truth, Salt, and Spice, the podcast. My hope is that the stories my guests share inspire you to walk in truth, be salt to your corner of the world, and to use the unique gifts that God intentionally gave you to add spice to everything you do. so graceful and willing to record a whole upper other episode all over again <laughs> no you're welcome no uh, problem. I was just like my friend called me this morning and says your voice isn't there at all I was like what do you mean I was like oh my gosh it's horrible I mean you were loud and clear and but <laughs> <laughs> oh girlfriend so well you know let's get to it how about you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell people as much as uh you want them to know about yourself, and uh, we will just take it from there. All right, sure. So my name is Alexis. I am a writer, editor, blogger, and author, and I'm also a trained journalist. I love the written world, word, <laughs> and I believe in the I, lo- I believe in the power of storytelling to help uplift and encourage people around the world. And so that's pretty much who I am. And what I love to do. Oh, and I'm a total foodie, by the way. I love good food. Oh, we didn't <laughs> we didn't talk about that the last time. See, I think this one's going to be even better than the last time. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember us talking about food. Mm, well, you know what? Let's let's take a little little like, uh, you know, um, a little side street here and tell me what's your favorite food. <laughs> Girl, I have so many. <laughs> My only requirement is that it tastes good and it's you know somewhat healthy for me. I okay, like so. Let's go with this one. What is your latest, like, latest. favorite? Mm-hmm. Hmm, let me think. You know what I did before the pandemic happened and we a lot of restaurants were closed? I used to go to Panera and get a bread bowl. Mm-hmm. And my favorite soups are seasonal. Like, they have the autumn squash soups. I would love getting a bread bowl filled with autumn squash soup. It's my favorite soup by them. But it's only available in the fall. And so when it's not available, I'll get a bread bowl and have broccoli and cheddar soup instead. That's one of my favorite little treats. <laughs> I love their broccoli and cheddar soup with the bread. Mm. Oh, yeah. So yummy. Um, but I haven't had their squash soup. I wonder. The thing with squash for me is that if it's too sweet, I don't like sweet. Like I'm, I'm a full on savory person. So I don't like sweet food. Like when I'm, you know, like for a meal. So um, if the squash is sweet, then that like after a couple bites, it just my stomach would just revolt. <laughs> well, I think if you put a little bit of sugar in it, but I think it's brown sugar and it doesn't taste too sweet at all, at least to me. I know I made a mistake of not trying it sooner because the first time I saw it was at my Bible study that I go to. And um, I remember it was like four years ago and one of the Bible study members had, was warming up autumn squash soup from Panera. And I was like, how does that taste? I, 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 love, I like vegetables, but I didn't think I really would love eating squash. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how's it taste? She's like, it's so good. You should get it at Panera. And so a few days later, I did. But it was already towards in the fall. So I only got to order it like once or twice because they took it off the menu for that year because it's a seasonal soup. But it tastes so good. Wow. I'll have to uh, keep that in mind for this coming fall. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, now I feel like I have a cheat sheet because I know all so much stuff about you from the previous recording. So now I'm kind of kind of picking and, you know, be all like up in your business. So uh-huh. listen, I want to start because I'm still fascinated by tell us the whole story about your having to journal like when you were little. <laughs> I just oh, loved yes, that. Yes, I loved it. <laughs> Let's start there. <laughs> okay. So 
I think in the original interview, you had asked me when I knew I wanted to be a writer, and I told you ever since age nine. Now, before age nine, funny story is, I didn't really like writing for fun, <laughs> but um, my mother, um, I have one sibling, younger brother, and my mother would make my younger brother and I write in journals, like from the time we were each in kindergarten through at least third grade. And she made us write something every school day. So after school, we'd have to come home and write about our day. Not too long, just like a page or, or a few sentences. And do that for, you know, from kindergarten through maybe third grade. And so I still remember I found those journals recently. Well, not recent, recently. About two years ago, I found them. I was cleaning out. And um, I was like, oh, I remember these. And then I read some of my entries. And one of the entries made me laugh. <laughs> Because it should have, much I didn't like writing back then. Because I had written, okay, journal, tomorrow is spring break, so I won't be writing in for you for a whole week. And, <laughs> and I, I can almost feel my excitement of not having to write in a journal for a whole week. And so, yeah, I didn't always love it, but, I, but I've always loved reading too. And I grew to really love it. And then I found out I had a talent for it. And so I knew ever since age nine that I wanted to be a writer. And I started getting affirmed for that, too, by teachers and uh, friends. And as I got older, pastors and just sometimes even strangers. So I know it's uh, definitely a gift and calling got placed over my life. And you've been in those journals. that I would share them with my teachers and even the reading specialist. Um, at the school I was going to at that age, uh, there was a reading specialist. And her real name was Miss Sweet. Her last name was Sweet, like sweet chocolate or sweet candy. It was sweet. Yeah. And she wrote the sweetest thing in my journal. She was like, Alexa is a superstar. does it again. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I, I love that. I, I remember mentioning because... You know, a, a lot of times um, we we don't have a, a lot. The majority of us, I guess, really don't have an opportunity to do something so consistently at such a young age and get to have people pour into us and build us up in that way. Mm-hmm. And then here you are, whatever years later, we won't go into age or whatnot. You know, <laughs> twenty, thirty years, twenty years later, I would say, uh, or, or so. Um, and now you are like an author, a writer, a journalist, uh, you know, study journalism. And I just find that just amazing how, you know, little did your mother know what she was doing, right? When, <laughs> when she started this and made you do that. Yeah. <laughs> the path, the path you took. Um, and uh, we could talk about that, how you didn't necessarily go first for journalism. You were on another path. Oh, yeah. So- yes. Yes. <laughs> So I always thought, ever since I knew I wanted to be a writer at age nine, I always thought, okay, well, I want to write books that turn into movies. That was my plan. And then I got to high school, and I, and I just felt a drive to study writing every chance I got. I would excel at my English classes and the essays and all that. And while in high school, I also joined the yearbook and journalism staff. And especially with the newspaper uh, that they produced, I came to the point what, a few years later that I was writing most of the stories. They would just give me, like, you know, you got to write these stories, Lexus. Like, just give me a whole bunch of stories to write. Um, so I, was, I wasn't I was the only one writing stories, but I got the majority <laughs> of them. But even back then, people with science like that, I didn't think that I would be a journalist when I graduated because my plan was still just writing books that turned into movies. But then um, I kept I kept at it, though, because I, all, I just felt this drive to learn more about writing and become a better writer. And so when I reached college, I thought that I could do that being an English major. So I remember my mom, my freshman year, was like, Alexis, you need to be an elementary 
education major because there's nothing like not getting a job when you graduate from college. <laughs> now, the backstory of that is that my mom, the difference is she always knew from the time she was a child. She wanted to be a teacher and a doctor. And she pursued it. And it turned out teaching education was the path for her. And it's really her calling. She's done a lot of amazing work. I've seen it firsthand um, over the years. Uh, but so she's went from teacher to reading specialist to principal for 20 or more years. And she retired about three years ago, I think. But um, but that was definitely what Max Cater called a sweet spot that was her sweet spot but for me even though I do love kids they're so adorable and I love working with people directly education and like in a traditional classroom setting was not exactly for me I was pretty sure about it so I had to have some what my mom called courageous conversations with my mother uh trying <laughs> to convince her that ma I will work hard just let me go for my dreams <laughs> and so I thought going for my dreams meant studying English, being an English major, because, you know, books, and I go learn the craft, but um, after, oh, and let me backtrack a little bit, so that summer of freshman year, I landed an internship at a job they made for me, it was a volunteer job that they made for me, because I went to this company, and I was like, I love to work for you, they were like a Christian film festival company, and they were just starting out, they weren't like really big yet, but, um, so I pitched my resume and a PowerPoint to them. I explained why I would love to work for them and how I could help them and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so long story short, they, they weren't hiring, but they, they hired me as a volunteer and created a, a process. <laughs> and I ended up being the program assistant for the film festival director. And so I did that last summer and it proved to my mom that she with hard work and God's guidance, I, it can happen for me. <laughs> and so I finally convinced her to let me go for my dreams. So I thought that going for my dreams, as I said earlier, was signing up to be an English major. And I did that for like a year or two, but the higher up I went in the coursework, the more confusing it got for me. And I was also a bit frustrated because I wasn't really learning much about how to actually write better uh, in terms of like the, from the way I wanted to write. Um, so I really wanted to learn how to really master writing. And I just wasn't learning that as an English major. That was just my experience. But around that time, the journalism professor named Stacy, she pretty much recruited me to study journalism. And so back in that day, they had a course guide that explained the different um, things you would study and what kind of careers that were applied to. And I remember reading the print journalism course guide, and it said that this studying in this major will train you to work in newspapers, magazines, writing for radio, and also in book publishing um, companies. And so I was like, oh, that sounds really good for me, I think, and I prayed about it, and I think God like, told me, okay, this is your path. And so I signed up for it, and I switched majors, and I still remember those first few classes with Stacey felt like the sun rising. I mean, it just made sense. Uh, there were some things I was struggling with, though, and um, I remember in one of the conferences I do, student teacher, uh, Stacey was trying to get me to say what I needed to say as we were studying this technique without telling me what to say. And I remember pausing and stopping and telling her, I don't know, and I think I'm very good at this. And she was like, you're better at it than you know. I'm better at it than you think. Uh, and so that was the encouragement that I needed. And, soon, and sooner than later, everything else started making sense. And then I was just like excelling at it. And I was thinking, well, maybe I'll apply to be a journalist when I graduate from college. I really like this. It feels like my sweet spot. And I really still do actually love the interview process because I remember one day in class, Stacey told us, she wrote on the board, conversations, no, wait, let me make sure I get this right. She said, oh, interviews are conversations with purpose. 
and I still kind of go by that. But yeah, so I graduated with my bachelor's in print journalism, and then about four years later, five years later, um, a while later, <laughs> I finally got my <laughs> master's. My mom was like, Alexis, you know, it's great that you got your undergraduate degree, but you really need a master's. Get a master's. And then I remembered that I always wanted my MFA, Master of Fine Arts in, um, in Creative Writing, because that, that, like, that would be like the capstone for me as a writer. It would really help me. Oh, you know what? Yeah. I just heard about MFA today. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast about writers. I don't really, I just, he's a local um, author here. Mm-hmm. And so um, he, he, on his Facebook, he said he had a podcast. I'm like, well, I'll follow it. I, I really like podcasts. I like listening to them. And so the, the guest that he had on uh, that I was listening to today, actually, they were talking about the whole MFA, but they never explained what that meant. So I, I still didn't understand what the heck <laughs> he was talking about. Ah, okay. Ah, well, there you go. You've heard a PhD, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you get a PhD as a terminal degree, the MFA is kind of like that too. The difference is when you get a PhD, you're kind of expected to write scholarly articles every year from what I hear, and you're kind of on the academic track if you're going to be a professor. Or you can still be an author. I know plenty of authors that are PhD people. But with mm-hmm. MFA, it's more about applying it to your industry. And you can still like write books too and stuff. But Oh, so it's more more focused. Yeah, more, okay, okay. Where you're getting out there in the world and you're applying it in, the, in whatever industry you're setting under. Very interesting. So, yes, I was just like, well, this sounds fascinating, but I, I didn't understand what the whole MFA was. They didn't get into that because I guess, you know, the podcast is for writers. <laughs> so I guess writers would know what it's about. So, look, I learned something new today. You know, I, I, I want to I wanna go back a little bit here because you're talking and, you know, your mom was insisting, you know, that – uh, you know, teaching was, was a, a guaranteed uh, a job. And I'm here thinking, um, have, I wonder if she knows now, or even you know, that what you're doing now, you are teaching just in a different way. I mean, you know, we're here going to talk about soon about your, um, your devotional. Yeah. And I'm like, that's definitely a way of teaching, oh, um, you know, scripture and whatnot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, you're right. It is a different way of teaching. You're not the first person to tell me that. Uh, one of my writer friends is much older than me says something similar just last year. She was like, Alexis, you are still teaching us these beautiful lessons through your writing. <laughs> yep. Most definitely. You most definitely are. And um, so let, let's segue into how you ended up um, writing this devotional. Oh, now do you want the long story or the short story? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go for, for in between. I didn't even know that I was writing it when I was writing it. <laughs> Let me explain why. <laughs> the background information first is that I've been writing devotionals ever since got birthed at ministry within me when I was recovering from getting sick uh, at 16. And uh, I just started writing them and um, it was just flowing out of me, even though I never studied it or read many devotionals prior to that. And so I knew it was the thing God wanted me to do. But I never thought about putting it into a book back then as a teenager. And then um, in high school, like high school through college, like I just kept writing uh, whenever the, whenever the inspiration struck me to write devotionals. And then after college, um, a company called Collegiate Quarterly 
uh, approached me, their faith-based publication, and, and they said, would you like to be the Growing Up columnist? It was basically a column that was once a month uh, helping people to grow up in their faith journey with Jesus Christ. I was like, sure. And they paid me for that. So I, I did that. But I still didn't think of like, let me put this inspiration to a book. And then after that, um, I was still writing for my friend's blog and like other bloggers that were looking for guests. And so I was writing devotionals for them. So what happened was about two years, no, not two years ago, last year in January, I started to think, huh, you know, I have all these devotionals from over the years. Maybe I should like just put it into one book. <laughs> and so I started the process of reaching out to everybody that I had written devotionals for before. And so I reached out to all the bloggers and I was like, would it be an issue if I republished this in my own book? And they said, no, because we didn't buy it from you. So the rights are still yours. I said, oh yeah, that's right. And so basically I got about 30 devotionals over the years that I had written for other blogs or my own blog. And I um, put those together and I, and I was like, okay, I probably just need about 14 more, make it 44 and I'll be done. And I decided, I decided <laughs> to write it and like, I was like not getting much done. So I was like, you know what? Train journalists, I need deadlines. So I'm going to make deadlines for myself. Around that time, this is January of last year, 2019, my friend Peggy, uh, she has a blog called Whispers in Purple and she has a sign up uh, for guest and I noticed that just about every Friday was empty and Fridays was her devotional day. She called them Faithful Friday with a theme for Friday and she wanted devotionals for that day. And so I was like, oh, I'll help her out. So I had just signed up for one or two <laughs> but then I noticed there were still empty. So I just decided, I thought about deadlines too. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to sign up for every Friday until I have enough devotionals. And at that time, it would be 44. So I signed up for half of that year. And then I reached 44 devotionals. I was like, hey, I'm done. But what would I call this? And I started doing some research. And I reached out to an editor I know named Dory. And she's like, she's really well known. And she's really good at what she does. And one of the first things she tells me is like, that's great. But you know, if you had 52 devotionals, they could be a yearly devotional, like, like, you know, not a yearly, a weekly devotional, because they're 52 weeks in a year. And so people could read one devotional a week for your book. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a good point, but I don't know, I'm kind of tired. Can't we just keep it at 44? <laughs> but I left that alone and thought about it. And then I reached out to a literary agent that I know. I'm, I don't have an agent personally, um, and I'm not her client, but her name is Devon Bolden. And I reached out to her, and she said the same thing Dory said, but with more emphasis. <laughs> she was like, you need to keep going. <laughs> she wasn't going to let you <laughs> say no. <laughs> she said, you need to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but I'm so tired. I was like, okay, okay, I'll do it. And I'm glad that I did because it really worked out that way to be just so you need it. And God was in the details too because the other part of the backstory is last year I worked for a magazine. And so initially I was going to just publish this book myself. I would have the money to pay, you know, to hire out the editor, the cover designer, the formatter, all that goes into indie publishing. But uh, that didn't work out because I lost that job in November and I hadn't been able to save up everything I needed to go indie. So I reached out to my publisher that published my last two books. Her name is Cynthia Hickey and her company is called Winged Publications. Because I realized earlier that year she had started a new imprint with her company for devotionals and other forms of nonfiction. And that imprint is called Soaring Beyond. So I reached out to her to see if she wanted to publish my devotional book after I was done writing it. And she was like, yes, she'll publish it. And um, she... I told her, uh, she sent me a contract, but before she sent me the contract, I said, I need time to uh, save up to hire an editor, uh, because when I worked with Cynthia previously, I don't think she had editors and staff yet, just a proofreader, and um, 
So Cynthia said, she informed me that she does have editors and staff now, so don't worry about that. And so it's okay, that's great. And the editor she assigned me to has a background in editing devotionals. So that's oh, sweet. Go, apparently. <laughs> and I'm glad it went well that way. Um, and so, yeah, I signed the contract in December after Christmas, and I announced it on my author social media in January and then I finished writing devotional number 52 in February toward the end of February and my book was published in April uh, I think it was April 20 of this year 2020 um yeah I I it was I I actually um get a lot of joy in seeing people succeed and it's always great to you know go on and Amazon or, or um, a Goodreads and, and see the, uh, the books there, um, you know, the, the fruit of hard <laughs> labor for many people. But um, I wanted to actually read uh, week seven of your um, devotional. That one really caught my attention. And um, I, I first I want to say that I, I totally love, love your setup. Um, I love that you have a story, a personal story. Then you have, you know, scriptures throughout, which, you know, for me is like, yes, please. And thank you. And then you have songs that go with it. And, you know, so the title is um, stories and and songs of what? (laughs) It's okay. My devotional title is stories and songs of faith, my journey with God. Of faith. There you go. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And uh, it's basically, you know, literally, that's what it is. And I like that because I love being able to anchor different events. Like if I look throughout my life and I look back, if a song can hit from 1989 and I'll be like, I remember exactly where I was when, you know, I was, you know, middle school dance with a boy or something, you know, or, you know, oh, another song comes on sometimes. I'm like, oh, I remember I was pregnant with my first child, you know, and so music is so anchoring. And takes you, you know, back. And so to have a devotional that, you know, you, you read a story from somebody, you know, that's personal. And then to be able to, you know, have a song then to learn a new song and uh, and anchor the story, you know, with the, the lesson of the character of who God is with it. I think it's just marvelous. Uh, yeah. Marvelous, marvelous. But week seven is our greatest resource. You know how to reach me, in quotes. These are the words spoken to me by one of my close friends when I, call, when I called her in distress but could not put my emotional pain into words. After two minutes of pauses between starts of sentences and barely their words on my, on my end of the phone line, that is what she told me before we both hung up the phone. It comforted my heart to know that she left the door to her support open for me as she understood that I was not ready to talk about my troubles. It was helpful to know that when I'm ready to talk, she will be there. Thinking back on this experience, a spiritual parallel formed in my mind. I realized that though this dear friend of mine tried her best to be there for me in my distress, I serve a God who is always there for me, um, excuse me, there for you and I in our troubling times. And unlike our family and friends who may turn, who we may turn to for help, his resources to help us are unlimited. He never sleeps, and he is always ready to rescue us. There may be times when we cannot reach our loved ones or professional for help, but we can always reach God. He is with us anywhere we go, Joshua 1.9. We are never hidden from him, 
Hebrews 4.13. He knows all and sees all, Psalm 139. God cares about everything that affects us, Psalm 37.23. And he has all of the resources we need, Philippians 4.19. The Bible and several gospel music songs say that our God is the balm in Gilead. That is healing for our soul. Listen to the song Healing by Richard Smallwood and his choir as they sing about the great bomb that only God can give us. And, you know, when I read that, this is me talking, I'm, I'm not reading right now. <laughs> uh, when I read that, um, I went ahead and actually looked up this song because it's new for me. And, um, and so the lyrics are, uh, don't be discouraged. Joy comes in the morning. Know that God is nigh. Stand still and look up. God is going to show up. He is standing by. There's healing for your sorrow, healing for your pain, healing for your spirit. There's shelter from the rain. Lord, send the healing. For this we know, there is a balm in Gilead. For there is a balm in Gilead. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the soul, healing for the soul. And of course, then I had to look that up. And it's in Jeremiah 8. If anybody wants to, you know, look that up after they listen to this. Um, is where that, that um, balm of Gilead uh, comes from. Um, but I'm going to continue reading here. It says, so God understands the cries of our hearts, not on, of our hearts. Not only does he know what we want to say, but are struggling to speak it. He answers before we call. Isaiah 65, 24. What a mighty God we serve. I love God's heart of compassion and the way that he loves us unconditionally. I am forever grateful that he is always open to being there for us. The Bible says that he has promised to be with us until the end of age, Matthew 28, 20, otherwise known as the end of the world. And it continues. Um, but I, I really, really enjoyed that because it's, I like the simplicity of, of your, your um, devotional, um, but it doesn't lack depth. And, um, you know, wrapping it up then with music, I think it's just cherry on, on, on the top. So for you, what what made you bring all these things together to then create this devotional? It was definitely what Caleb Radio calls a God thing. <laughs> or God is in the details. Like, <laughs> well, to answer your question more specifically, I always have loved music. Mm -hmm. I always say it's my love right after writing. And it just was natural for me to relate a message to a song. I've been doing that even before I decided to write a book. Um, so yeah, it just flowed that way. I just was like writing it and I was like, oh, this part, this phrase, this sentence reminds me of this song. And so I decided to tie it in by paraphrasing the lyrics to some of my favorite songs. And, uh, for the music lovers out there at the end of my book is a song directory, which is simply a list of all the songs that are mentioned in each devotional and the link to the YouTube video, uh, version of that song that I was listening to when I wrote the devotional. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I most definitely, um, definitely enjoyed that. Um, as, as I read that, I thought, oh, this is, this is really good. So I definitely am a fan Aww. of <laughs> your devotional, uh, for sure. I also like that it's, um, that it's a once a week thing, like it gives you enough to chew on, and then you can spend the rest of the week thinking about it and processing. Um, so there's, you know, there's some simplicity there that, uh, you know, for people that are busy, but still want depth. I think that's a, a, a definitely a good a tool to have um, for them for sure. And um, so as you've gone, you know, through life and, and you've seen 
God work, what would you say has been the hardest thing for you in, in, in actually like following God's lead? Like, have there been doubts? Have you second guessed? Or, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of how I live my life. I'm like, is that you, God? Or is that me? You know, well, how, how do you differ- differentiate between what you feel God is calling you to, what you want to okay. do? So, the only, the only, well, not the only, but the first example that comes to my mind when you ask me that question is um, about the series. When I started doing series on my blog, I have a blog that I call God is Love. And um, the whole purpose is to spread God's love and educate people about God like, and show them Jesus through the writing and guest posts on my blog. And I remember I started the blog back in August of 2010. And it took me about three or four years to really find my voice uh, as a blogger. Um, but once I did, things started like soaring. And around the t- that time that things started soaring, <laughs> um, I noticed I've been reading a lot of blogs for years. And I noticed that a lot of blogs around that time in 2000, I think it was 2004. 12 or 2014 where a lot of bloggers are doing series on their blogs and I was like huh maybe I should start doing that on my blog too every now and then let me do a series I prayed about it like god what should this series be on and the very first word I felt in my spirit is prayer (laughs) now I didn't hear an audible voice I just felt that word in my spirit and Mm -hmm. um I was like, God, is that from you? You want me to do a series on prayer? Did I hear you right? And it's just like, God, what do you really want me to do a series on for my blog for 31 days? And I heard that word in my spirit again, prayer. And I'm like, how am I going to write original content for 31 days about prayer? <laughs> but I was like, okay, God must want me to do this. He's not saying anything else apart from prayer. So <laughs> I did some research and I talked to my heart about my own experiences and I wrote a very good 31 day series on prayer. I got a lot of positive feedback about it. And then uh, from there, I just started getting all these ideas for other series. A lot of them started to be more author focused as well, like Christian author focused. I would invite Christian author colleagues and friends out there to promote their Christian books on my blog, um, as long as it still aligns with the whole God is Love theme. And I came up with series that were seasonal. Like I did one called Spring Into Love, uh, one spring uh, to just highlight uh, books that were, you know, sweet romances written for the Christian fiction book market. And I even had like testimonial style series. Um, one was called Falling in Love with Jesus, where you didn't have to be an author to participate. You could be anybody who has fallen in love with Jesus and write the story of how you first fell in love with him. And I also um, did a popular series that I didn't know was going to be so popular called True Love Stories, where I interviewed people about their true love story. And I featured it along with the pictures on my blog. And I also did one photography series uh, years ago called Worth a Thousand Words, uh, where I featured some of my photographer friends who are wedding photographers. And I had them talk about why they're a wedding photographer and what love looks like through their lens, their camera lens. And then they were gracious, gracious enough to mm-hmm. agree to ask their one of their bride and groom, some of their clients, to tell them what does love look like to you as a bride and what does love look like to you as a groom. And so those are some of the series that I hosted on my blog. So let me ask you, you know, this because in 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 a society of 
um, excess, because I, I would say that's, <laughs> you know, the United States, I, I find that it is hard for um, people to just not be, you know, inward focused. So what is it within you that you feel totally like there's enough room at the table to invite other authors to join you and, and give them a space to, to put their, their well, creation you know, in honestly, their content? Well, yeah, honestly, it turned into that around, I think it was 2000. I started the blog in 2010, and I think it was around 2012 or 2013 where I really found my voice and I started hosting other people a lot. Because originally, back in 2012, it was just a, I just wanted to get more content for my blog. I was thinking of ways to get more more content, and then I saw that guest posting was a thing. And I started reaching out to people, and I found that I like using my blog as a platform for other people as long as they are, you know, aligned with the mission of my blog. Because, like, you know, show God's love to the world and introduce people to Jesus and reaffirm faith and all that. And so I just like doing it. I mean, I. Never never thought that this well I think when I was starting out I wasn't sure how what how my blog would take off or, or like what vision I would have for it. ultimately I grew into that and I was I found out that hosting people who align with the message from our blog was a good thing and I like doing it and I, like, and I like coordinating things like I think the most recent thing that I have going on is my devotionals for the heart series where I host a devotional writer uh, every Monday Wednesday and Friday on my blog and it's new it's new every single Monday Wednesday and Friday every week, every month, every year, since January of 2018. Wow. And you have, you have consistently found people. Yeah. To, to I join gather you my writers that. every fall for the next year and I have a schedule yeah. that I put together. I coordinate everything. So yeah, I, yeah, God worked it out. He's blessed me with some great writers and it's not all women. <laughs> the first year in 2018, there was one male writer, a former musician named Patrick E. Craig who's now an author. <laughs> And then uh, last year, 2019, there I had two male writers. I think I had two. I know one's Chaplin, Chaplin Paul Anderson. And I thought I had one more. I'm trying to remember who. And this year, I, I think it was just Chaplin Anderson last year and the rest were women. And then this year, I had two male writers, uh, Chaplin Anderson again, and a former, well, he's still a trucker, a trucker named Wade. And so, yeah, the rest are women. But I'm really excited for the direction my blog is going, and I hope to be even more diverse with my writers next year, God willing. <laughs> so um, what does it mean when you said that you found your voice? You know, I'm thinking that you've, you know, had a voice since your mom <laughs> made you journal oh, yes. since you were a child. Well, when I so what I does it mean? Voice, I don't mean, yeah. like, you know, let me explain. How do I explain this? So let me think. <laughs> uh I know that when I was studying to be a writer in college and I was always telling us to find our voices, find our voice as a writer. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of just means like, like, let me give an example. One of the famous journalists and writers we studied when we were in college, a journalism major, was a lady named Joan Didion. Can you say her last name? Have you heard about her? No, I don't think so. No. Well, she's an example of someone who's really found their voice as a writer. Like when you read an article, you know is written by her even before you read her byline because you recognize her voice. So that's what finding your voice means um, in the writing world and the journalism world. And so I think that's what I mean as a blogger too. I really found my voice after a few years and knew exactly what direction I wanted to blog in and what kind of content I wanted on my blog. And when I wrote my own post, people started to recognize, oh, Alexis wrote that. I can tell. I can tell by the way the words are and the tone and so, yeah, that's why it took me a few years to find my voice as a blogger. So with like, you know, digging in deep within, what would you say, like, how did you realize oh, this is it? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, do I get a journal? Do I get a journalism star? 
<laughs> you mean as a journalist or a blogger or an author? <laughs> for the good question. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do get a big star for that good question. <laughs> well, you know, the, and, and you may not have realized the exact moment or not. I, I'm not sure. But you know how sometimes you do something, you're like, yes, this, this is it. And I don't know if there was a this is it moment or if it was one of these things that after you had produced for a while, you look back and you're like, ah, yes. Well, as a blogger, it was this is it when I wanted to use my platform uh, for other creatives to share God's love through through their writing and photography and everything else. I knew that was it. That was for my bloggers. A lot of my writers even call my I'll do other a few other things in my blog, but um, yeah, it's mainly about socials right now for the past three years. Um, so that that's the answer to that for blogging as a journalist. Uh, I'm not quite sure um, if I have distinctive, distinctive voice as a journalist. I'm trying to think. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> that's the bottom line. <laughs> Are you there? Hello? Yes, I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yes, I just seem to, to go. I'm like, no, please, no more drumming with this recording. Oh, so frustrating. Um, well, no, that, that I was just definitely curious really if, if there was. I can't was... really hear you. Okay. Yeah. Is that better? A little bit. You're still kind of okay. far away. Um, hopefully that doesn't mess up. I don't know. <sighs> Let's just, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> I agree with you in prayer. <laughs> oh, um, so, you know, what's, what's next for, for you um, as far as, as writing goes? Yeah, a little bit of a break from writing books, uh, but not forever, God willing, <laughs> but just to recharge and refuel and um, pray about whatever else wants me to do. Uh, in the meanwhile, I'll still be writing devotionals, God willing, because those ideas, he keeps downloading into my spirit. So I won't stop that until he tells me to. Um, but when I, when my book, when my book, when my break from books is over, I hope to be able to write some stories for publishing. Uh, they're, yeah, they're a publishing comp- company that was started by the Hallmark Movie Channel, and I want to be able to write a couple for them. Some that are regular, like, you know, not seasonal, and then a few that are Christmas time. So I would love that. I know that they say quite clearly on their company website that just because you write a book for them doesn't mean it's turning into a movie, but that is part of my plan. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to get an agent sometime soon that I need a godsend, <laughs> like someone who's meant to be my agent and I'm meant to be their client and, and like we work well together and that they could take my writing to the next level because I love to also have my movies on the big screen and I love to also have my books and bookstores across the USA and translate it into other languages. So they can also be in bookstores across the world. And for a lot of that, you do need an agent to get you the bigger publishing houses. Uh, One of them being my dream one, which is HarperCollins. And so we'll see what God has planned. But those are my dreams for uh, my book. Wow. You you definitely (laughs) have um, some big dreams. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, man schemes, but, you know, God uh, (laughs) makes our way. But it seems like yeah. you, you, God has definitely opened many doors for you. And uh, I'm really excited to see uh, what other plans he has for you. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's exciting. <laughs> I, 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 love, uh, I love to hear your, your, your goals and, and, and where you want to go. I like Hallmark movies, you know, little, little cheesy Christmas ones. Oh, yeah, you want something feel good? Watch one of those things. Uh, but I do, I do like yeah. them. 
So, um, with the podcast at the end, you know, I asked two questions and one of them, you know, how are you being salt, um, in your neck of the woods, uh, to the world? Sure. I can answer that question. <laughs> um, so I try, <laughs> I try to be a spiritual salt to my corner of the world by encouraging my family and friends and even anybody really like strangers to my blog <laughs> with God's word and faith-based inspiration that I find online through other, from other authors and musicians and photographers, etc. And I also like to do it in my own writing. Um, I also recommend books by other faith-based authors that are inspiring. And I like to share, like I said, videos on YouTube that are inspiring, whether it's music or a sermon. And I like to do a lot of promoting of other Christian writers' work. I do that a lot on my God is Love blog. And I like to pray for everyone that um, tells me that they're going through something and need prayer support. And internationally, as I said about my blog, I definitely do a lot of sharing God's love with the world through that. Um, I've been doing that since I established my blog in August 2010. And let me think about what else. I think that's basically it. I still write a lot of devotionals. God continues to inspire me with these great ideas. So when you say inspire, like, what does that mean for for you? Like, how would you like people to be inspired? I can give you an example. I can give you an example of how it happens. So a few years ago, I was walking through an outdoor mall. You know, like, it's not like totally enclosed. It's like Mm -hmm. a town center. And I... In that town center, they had a store called Tavana. Yep, Have you, you know yep. Tavana, right? Okay. And as I was, I was, I wasn't going to Tavana because I like tea, but I wasn't going to buy tea that day. I was going to go to the store past that. But as I was approaching that store, the words "taste and see" dropped in my spirit, and then a, instantly a spiritual parallel formed. And I, I noticed how. Outside of Tavana, they always have at least two employees that are standing by at least four canisters of tea that each have different flavored tea in them to promote their product and get you to taste and see if tea is good. And like, that's the same thing God wants people to do to taste and see that he is good. <laughs> so when I went home, I wrote a devotional called Taste and See, and I tied it into the Bible verse, to taste, taste and see the Lord is good. And I uh, didn't have a song because I wrote it for... A company um, that produces devotional books every year. They are, um, I have one right here. Let me look at it, make sure I don't misquote them. The one for this year is called I Am Loved, a daily devotional for women by women. And the editor who put it all together, well, finalized it because she has a team behind her. Her name is Carolyn Rathbun Sutton. And it's, it's a devotional book put by GC Women's Ministries, which stands for General Conference. Um, it's an organization that's part of my church. Uh, they operate, well, the Women's Ministry Office operates out of their headquarters in Silver Spring, Maryland. And um, they're just really good. They have a new book every single year. And so I submitted Taste and See to one of their future editions. And I say future because they plan two years ahead of time. So I don't think it's, I'm not sure if they published it yet. I don't remember, but it should be published soon. And so, yeah, I wrote a devotional for them and I still will continue to write for them as long as God continues to give me ideas to write for them. So (laughs) when you say inspiration, then is different things that God gives you to inspire and then you share from that or... Yeah. Yeah, he'll just okay. drop like ideas, like you know, uh, like taste and see, and I'm like, oh, there's a Bible verse called taste and see. Yeah, and Tavana, they help customers to taste and see their product and know that it's good. Same thing with God. So that's usually how it happens for me. Like I'll see something in real life or hear about something, and boom, a devotional idea would pop in my mind. Just last weekend, I was watching a movie on Pure Flix uh, with my mom, and something one of the characters said in the movie 
gave me a devotional idea. I haven't written it yet, but I plan to call it Law of Love. How can I don't have details for it yet, but that's definitely something I was inspired by just last week. <laughs> gotcha. All right. I, that, that makes sense. I wanted some clarity there. Well, that's awesome. Um, the next question is, if you were a spice, what would it be? And uh, how do you, uh, you know, use that spice to bring, you know, to the table to uh, flavor sure. everything you do? Okay, so the first part of your question, here's the answer. If I were to be a spice, I'd be cinnamon <laughs> because it tastes good on my favorite breakfast food, like oatmeal with sliced bananas. And to answer your question about how I bring flavor to things that I do, the cinnamon flavor, well, I Googled cinnamon. <laughs> and before I Googled it, I found out, like, when I was deciding what kind of spice I wanted to be, you asked me this question in the preview a few weeks ago, and I was thinking about it. I was like, what kind of spice can I be? <laughs> I, like, I don't know those <laughs> so I, I Googled spices, and, and I found a very helpful website for all the people out there who house.com and it has like all the world spices and like recipes and a whole bunch of helpful information listed there and i saw that cinnamon was one of the spices and i googled cinnamon and found out that it has a lot of Mm -hmm. uh, medicine-like properties and it has a lot of antioxidants and it can help with inflammation like reducing it and it also can cut the risk of heart disease and then I thought to answer your question about how I bring that cinnamon flavor to things I do I was like hmm, I kind of think that since cinnamon has all these medicinal properties and it has all the antioxidants and helps reduce the risk of heart disease as a Christian writer is who creates stories of hope for the heart with the healing properties of cinnamon as her spice of choice that she sprinkles on all she does for God, it's kind of like I'm an assistant, a physician assistant, to the master physician who's, you know, God's master <laughs> physician. And as his assistant, I'm helping to heal the human heart for my fellow humans through my writing and the ideas that he gives me to write about. So I hope that answers Yeah, no, it does. Um, I would say that you chose pretty accurately, you know, according to what you shared. Um, because... Uh, I can see that that you want people to um, to dig in and examine their heart and and find that love for God that that you have as well, and so that's evident in in your work um, for sure. So I, I love that. I like cinnamon, I like cinnamon and oatmeal. Mm, Girl, yeah, <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> Most definitely. Oh my goodness. Well, Alexis, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on again and uh, re-recording this. And um, I, uh, I wish you the best and um, many sales with your devotional book and um, may God continue to make clear his path for you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. To- all right. So I will put all your links and uh, whatnot so people can follow you on all the socials and uh, well, I'll be seeing you around. Take care, bye-bye.